This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What up, Hopeland Church? How is everybody doing? Hope everybody's doing well this morning or evening or whenever you may be uh, jumping in on this. If you're part of the live premiere, good morning. Um, I hope you guys are gonna get something out of this today. We are concluding our series. This is week five of the Forgotten God study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're about to jump into this word I uh, hope you enjoyed our worship, and, and here we go. We're going to continue uh, with talking about what does the Holy Spirit do, all right? That's what we're going to continue with, and let me pray, and we're going to jump right into the Word of God, and um, let's do this. Father, we thank you uh, for your Holy Word. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to sit at your table, to receive from the Word of God. We pray for the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord to speak to us. Lord, shine light on the scripture. God, reveal to us what is written. Lord, you know how to take the logos, the written word, and make it rhema, the revelatory word. So God, as we read, meditate, and preach and teach from the written word, we pray that that written word becomes rhema, becomes life. And Lord, it is the engrafted word in our soul that's able to save us. So thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do in and through your word today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, here we go. We're gonna conclude. We could talk about the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever, uh, but we're gonna gonna, uh, end this particular series today and really conclude uh, 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 about the Holy Spirit and um, really excited. Next month, we're going to uh, start a new series being it's, you know, it's uh, when we within the culture we live in, uh, it's called Thanksgiving. Uh, but we as a church want to just focus on the goodness of God in November. So the title of our new series is going to be All Good Things because God is good. OK, so here we go. Um, hope you can make it next week as we as we launch our, our new series, All Good Things. But here it is. I'm just going to uh, just read a couple quotes here about the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to jump right in. And if you want to meet me there, it might take me a minute to get there, but we are going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Acts 1, verses 4 to 8. Uh, but first, I want to start with a quote I believe we started the series with by... by um, Uh, a a preacher from the late 1800s of America. His name is Dwight L. Moody. And he said this, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as try to live a Christian life without the spirit of God in your heart. We need the Holy Spirit, all right? We've been learning that all month. We really need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit. We need the grace of the Holy Spirit. We need to hear from and be led by the Holy Spirit, all right? So here we go. We're gonna continue. What does the Holy Spirit do? Here's another uh, quote by St. Basil the Great, who is one of the, what they would call the one of the three Cappadocian fathers. 
who did a great work of God um, in around the fourth century, uh, in the fourth century. Um, and so he said, every divine action begins from the Father, proceeds through the Son, and is completed in the Holy Spirit. All right? So we're going to talk about today, and we talked about this when, when I was actually doing our online gathering from home. Uh, we were uh, quarantining due to COVID, and I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I want to teach on it again, just given we are literally talking about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe this is very important according to the scriptures and, and our walk with God and God's heart for humanity and his heart for and plan for the church and how she should be in the world, okay? So we're gonna talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as it is stated in the scripture. And I'll just start out with this thought is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it, Jesus, if J Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, Okay, if he said that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is worth teaching on um, as what happened in the book of Acts, what was initiated and began and how the church was literally birthed. It is worth talking about. Those that were a part of our gatherings when I was teaching from home, I believe we were uh, talking about the kingdom of God or the power of God. I honestly forget the exact series. I think it was the power of God. Um, I just obviously wanted to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit then, but I want to go through it again. This is worth repeating and teaching and really laying a scriptural foundation as to what it is because the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't about a denomination. It's not a, about a certain camp of Christianity. It is in the scriptures. It is fundamental to the Christian life. And I want to, I want to teach on it. I want to teach on this. For some of you, this might be, um, some of it might be basic or you know this, but it begs repeating and it is worth um, kind of checking out our foundation once again. Um, and here we go. So Acts chapter one, uh, verses four to eight. Let's read this. Acts chapter one, verses four to eight. It says, and being assembled together with them, uh, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. Everybody say promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Promise of the Father, you've heard about him from me. Okay, this is Jesus here talking, of course. Verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse six, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse seven, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. You guys are concerned about things that you that doesn't matter with respect to your life right now. I think Christians are, are I have a habit, Christ followers have a habit of wanting to, to know, know things that aren't necessarily something God is gonna tell you in the moment. Um, and sometimes I think we disregard. I think sometimes in the religious world, we major on minors and minor on majors, all right? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of season which the Father's put in his own authority. 
Verse eight, but you, he's like, look, this is what we're talking about right now. All right, he had to kind of bring their focus back. All right, they're worried about things, times and seasons. What's going on? Is this when this is gonna happen? You know, they had some knowledge of the scripture because that's what they were referencing. Is this is when it's gonna happen? He's like, look, you don't need to know all about all that right now, but check this out. This is what you need to know. Acts 1.8, this is what I'm not saying this whole plan church, this is what you need to know, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, all right? Um, and you shall be witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Um, um, look at, the, the, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? I mean, here it is, here it is right here. Um, the Holy Spirit just doesn't change what we do or give us some sort of task. He changes who we are, okay? And that's what Jesus said. It wasn't like you're gonna get, yes, we are sent to go. We, we, we go and preach the gospel. We, we go out into the world. But here it is not um, emphasizing the doing of something, it is emphasizing the changing of who we are, okay? So the Holy Spirit doesn't change, just change what we do or give us something new to do or, you know, add this on to our life or now I go to church and uh, now I read my Bible and now I hang out with Christians. It's like, I'm just, you know, kind of added this thing to my life. Um, this isn't just some outward show like, Okay, I got, you know, I'm doing the Christian thing. You know, like I was, you know, raised in church. So I guess that's what I do. I go to church or, you know, uh, no, like this is a change of nature. This is changing who we are. Okay, so look at the language here, folks. You shall receive and you shall be. Be, not do. Right here, I get it. We're going to do, we're going to go. But, but here, Speaking of the Holy Spirit coming as a result of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ at the right hand of the Father, says, I will send him. If I go, I will send him. So what does the Holy Spirit do, right? He gives us the power to be, okay? To be, not to do. Doing is a secondary consequence of being, he changes me, and in changing me, what I do is now different. It's a secondary consequence. God is concerned with you. He's concerned with your soul, your heart, your condition more than what you do. What you do will change, but if, we, if he doesn't change who we are, what we do means nothing. What we do will be short-lived, short-sighted, won't last. It's like seed planted on dry soil. It doesn't change. God isn't about changing what we do. He's about transforming who we are. And when he does that, what we do will change. We've been talking about this all month, just sanctification. God doing a work in us that it is the sanctification of the spirit that leads us to obedience, that brings us into obedience. Obedience isn't human effort. It is the grace of God changing our nature and it is our will yes being yielded but it is not it doesn't start with our will uh right here but you shall receive power not work for it 
not do a religious um, skip and a jump and a little whatever to get it, it. But it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be. Be, it's not, it's not a verb. Nowhere in the scripture does it say go and witness. Witness is not a verb. It's not a verb. It's not a verb. So I'm not saying we, we don't go into all the world and preach the gospel. But here it is not talking about going in this, of what the Holy Spirit initially does. He gives us power to be. He changes us power to be a witness, not go and witness, right? The Holy Spirit has not come upon you so you can go hand out somebody a pamphlet. You know, praise God. Who knows? They might read that and God speak to them. Praise the Lord. But the Christian life is just that. It is a life. Um, you know, being a witness is not an event. It is a change of my nature. And in the rhythm of my life, I am a witness. It's not that I am witnessing. I Yes, I am. But you get what I'm saying. I hope you understand this here. Like This is what it says. The, what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us power to be a witness. All right, be a witness. Tran let me translate a little bit here. Let me kind of extract some of that Greek language and, 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 and let, let, let's look at it this way. You shall be witnesses of mine. That's what it means. It's, it's we are witnesses of his, or it would say, you shall be my witnesses. These this is a state. This is a condition change. This is a position change. This is a nature change. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is the day of Pentecost in words coming from the risen Savior about what is going to happen. And he's saying that this is a change of who you are. Okay. A change of who you are. We are witnesses. Okay. And that his power is evident in us. All right. So what does the Holy Spirit do? That's my first point. Power to be. Okay. I, I could have put witnesses, but I just wanted to emphasize that it's a power to be, not just a power to do. Not just a power to do something. It is a change of who I am. And in that I do go and I do this thing. I walk it out, but we must be changed by him before we can do anything for him. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, so here we go. Let's go to Acts 2 now. Let's look at this. Acts 2, chapter 1, verse 4. And when, Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is 50 days after the resurrection. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. They did what he said. Go, wait, Terry, wait in Jerusalem till you do with power from on high. You shall receive power. Verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues. Divided tongues, meaning it was everybody individually divided uh, as a fire and one sat upon each of them, each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Here it is, the day of Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost. I know there's a denomination, right? Pentecostal church. 
which the, that, that name and that title, I mean, Pentecostal, Pentecostalism really took off in the early 1900s in America, actually LA, believe it or not, Zusa Street Revival, which is literally a mile from where I'm recording right now. Um, if you go over there, there's a plaque on the ground. It kind of explains the diversity of the people that were there and the power of God that was moving. And from that point, um, missionaries went from that community, that local church community all over the known world and preached the, 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 basically preached the message of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and, and uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, just like, so, so obviously because of that movement and that emphasis, you can study this in the history books, um, it's right out here in LA, right here in, um, it's actually in an area right next, right kind of in adjacent to Little Tokyo and the Arts District is right there. There's a plaque on the ground. There's, there's other plaques up that you can see, Azusa Street Revival and the power of God moved right there. Went all over the world and because of just the activity um, and obviously, and resources were attracted to it. When God moves, I mean, things just start happening and it gets attention, right? Um, and so uh, Pentecostal denominations and stuff were formed from that. And, and so they were just like, man, let's emphasize this. But I'm here to tell you right now that that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophecy and what you would consider what we would call in this day and age a spirit-filled church or whether you're denominational or not, right? Spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever. They all, we all, we got all these different names for stuff and it kind of helps to identify maybe some of the, some of uh, the activity and the expression and the methodology you might see in a church uh, like that. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is in the Bible. Okay. So this was written in the first century. So, <laughs> You know, and it happened in the first century. Um, so this isn't like early 1900s theology here, okay? This isn't Western American Pentecostalism. It's the scripture. So of course, culture has formed around this in the church world and there's this emphasis in certain circles, but I'm saying don't put a biblical truth that was canonized 2000 years ago and place it in just some kind of quote unquote movement. Um, it might've been a movement. It's, it's cool to study the history of what God has done in and through people in, that's very, uh, it was just over a hundred years ago that this happened in America, but that's extremely recent history compared to the history of the church, okay? So um, I think sometimes um, we, I think what we need to do is kind of maybe even, let me just say this, extract that history for a minute and look at the scripture. Let the scripture interpret itself, if you will, right? Let's look at it for what it is. This is when the church was birthed. It was birthed, came forth in the earth through born again, saved Christ followers in the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't, don't start community yet without the power of God on your life. Look at, look at this. Look at, this is the words of Jesus. He's like, don't. Jesus knew what was going to happen after, like the, the plan, the, the calling, the great commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out devils, heal the sick, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Lord, right? All that good stuff, right? But he's like, look, don't do none of that yet. 
We need to change who you are. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. With this, because without the power of the Holy Spirit, folks, come on now, let's be honest. This is just, you know, this is just words on a page. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just, it, it's, it, it can, you know, even in our Christian world and circles, this can become a, just some religious thing. Just a religion, just like any other religious institution without the power of God. Paul said, man, I didn't come, you know, with you with persuasive words of men's wisdom. What's that? Religion. Right. I didn't come with persuasive words of men's wisdom. But what? But in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. What's, what's awesome about that is that this what Paul was not in the in here. He was not here. He, he, he was out advocating and um, dragging Christians, persecuting eventually. Right. That's what he was doing. Um, but he was he was in a, he was in a religious framework at this point. He was not saved. But. After the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is still here and he's still filling people, baptizing them with the power of God. And, and the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are operating, the prophecy and tongues and working the miracles and praise, I mean, praise God, right? So Paul is a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit after this day, this moment, all right? Hallelujah. And so here it is. My next point is this, is, is tongues is evidence, folks. Verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So tongues is evidence. It's evidence. It's a spiritual thing. It's a, can I say this? It's a spiritual phenomenon. It is not natural. It is not intellectual. It is what the Spirit of God does. It's what he does. What does the Spirit of God do? He fills us with power and the speaking and praying in tongues is evidence. Okay, it's evidence. It is evidence. It is not a, a Christian subculture thing, the scriptural thing. It's Bible thing, okay? It's a Bible thing, all right? So the, I love this too. The Holy Spirit, it says, fills the, filled the room, filled the room. He filled the room and he also touched individual hearts. I love that. What does the Spirit of God do? He fills a room, but he also fills hearts. He fills a gathering of people, but he also touched each individual individually because it emphasizes that he filled the whole house and the spirit of God and uh, divided tongues as of fire, like fire sat upon each of them. They were all filled. So he filled the room, but he also touched individual hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit is doing something collectively and personally right now. I believe that the Spirit of God is doing something collectively with this particular church community. I believe there's something happening with us, that he is doing something with us. He is moving and speaking and, and his presence is among us, but he is also doing things individually personally and intimately in the hearts and lives of people that are a part of this community, all right? So here we go, let's move on here. Acts chapter eight, verse 14. I wanna just walk through this in the book of Acts, okay? We're kinda, we're gonna hang out here um, in Acts because this is when the Holy Spirit came, was sent. It's the, it's the documentation of the, the beginning of the church and the acts of the Holy Spirit 
through God's people. So Acts chapter eight, verse 14 to 17. Okay, here it is. Verse 14. Uh, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Samaria, we're talking these are folks who are not Jews. Now, the, Jew, the church at, the, at this point in time were predominantly Jewish people that had come to know Christ. And so they were acknowledging him as Messiah. The Jerusalem church was led by Jews that received a revelation of Christ. So they don't even see themselves as changing religions or being converted. They're just acknowledging that the Christ of the Law and the prophets is Jesus. He came. This, you know, so they have come to know him, but they are Jews. Okay. So when they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they're kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? Because Samaritans were considered, quote unquote, half breeds. They had mixture, they had pagan and 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 uh, belief systems mixed with uh Jewish belief systems and the and the the like the hardcore orthodox Jewish community was like nah that that's not us so there was this ethnic um religious cultural boundary between these two people and then they hear that these samaritans receive the word of god hallelujah god's all about crashing through culture crashing through cultures he's not limited by that that's stuff we create okay in christ he has made the two one okay as the scripture says so when Jesus died, I mean, it, it, though, though, those barriers are done. And so Christ is now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, crashing through all of humanity with his love, forgiveness, grace, and power. Okay? So as a result, Jerusalem, Jewish folks, sent Peter and John, Jewish folks, all right, to them. Verse 15, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is my next point, folks. Pray that others will receive. That's what they did. This is going to be these, these, this is going to be very empowering to you. I, I just want to kind of put some tools in your hand. We we are Christian Christians. You have the Holy Spirit. Pray that others receive the Holy Spirit. Pray pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse sixteen. For as yet he had had fallen upon none of them. Isn't that interesting? He already fell in Acts chapter two, but these people that was a moment but they needed their moment. That was their, the 120, that was their encounter. The Holy Spirit's still here. And these folks here, these Samaritans needed theirs. Now they believe, they received the word. So the assumption is they were they, they come to know Christ, but they were not filled with the Holy Spirit, not baptized in the Holy Spirit. There, there's, a, there, there's a difference. When we come to know Christ, the Bible says that because of our faith, there's the indwelling, but there's a difference between the indwelling and infilling. I mean, this is in the scripture there. There's a difference here. They've come to know Christ. And so they're like, man, we need to pray that these folks get filled with the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Look at, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized, which is repentance, which is represents salvation, which represents coming out of sin, coming to know Christ, receiving his grace. There's a difference between water baptism and spirit baptism. They, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them. They were saved. They, they received the word. They were baptized. Baptized. Baptism was no joke back then. You got baptized, you were basically giving your life and potentially going to get killed for it. So baptism was no joke. Baptism was a legit rites of passage. Here and now in our culture, we, are, we invite our friends and family. And I know people in our community that have suffered because of the religious differences within their family 
that they that their family did not celebrate their baptism. But just think about, look back, in, in this day and age, they were getting killed and persecuted for it. So these are legit believers. When you got baptized in the early church, you, you were legit, right? You couldn't play the game. So th- th- this wasn't, you know, because it was it was life-threatening, okay? So for at least 300 years after this, that, that, that was the case with baptism, okay? And coming into community, it would, co- it, could, it would cost you your life and you would be grievously persecuted as a result of being a Christ follower and, and being in community and getting publicly baptized. It was life-threatening, okay? So these people are legit, okay? But the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them yet. They were not baptized in the Holy Ghost, but check this out. So they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, this is Acts 8, 17. Somebody say, this is in my Bible. This is the Bible. All right, this is the Bible. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Wow, isn't that awesome? Laid hands on them, okay? So number one, this is, an, this is, this is I wanna empower you. Pray that others will receive. Here's my next one. Lay hands for others to receive. The, the doctrine of laying on of hands, that laying on of hands is foundational to the Christian life in practice that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, the scripture says. We can lay hands on others and they will receive the Holy Spirit, okay? Does that mean I just go around just touching people? No, <laughs> right? I, I, think, I, I think any reasonable person understands the, 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 the way, right? I mean, obviously there's, there's context here. They're, 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 they receive the word, they've been baptized. You know what I'm saying? They're like, okay, what's next, right? What's next? Let's, let's lay hands on them and pray that they receive the Holy Spirit. So once again, I just want to read from my notes. There's a difference between being baptized in water and being baptized in the Spirit, okay? Uh, some theologians call this the second work of grace, okay? You can be saved, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Does one make you better than the other? No. But is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for all? Yes. Is, does the Holy Spirit only choose to baptize certain people? No, it's not scriptural. Because many, most times in scripture, or when it's described as the Holy Spirit coming and manifest, it, it, it has this language of all, everybody. This is for you and your children and your children's children as, and to as many as are afar off. I mean, that, there it is. Okay, so, so, so there, there, there's more to walking with God than the event of salvation by grace through faith. There, like we said last week, week before, there's got to be more. There has got to be more. All right, so pray that others will receive. Lay hands that others will receive. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7, I believe we're going to read. Let, let's see. Let, let's go here. So Acts 19. Here's another example of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Everybody say disciples. Disciples. Somebody say disciples. He said to them, here it is again. Disciple, discipline learner, Christ follower. They asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Whether there is a Holy, we don't even know. We're saved, we're disciples, we're learning about Jesus, but we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse three, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? All right, he's just doing a little, like, where are you at? Where are you at in your walk? What's going on with you? All right, this is what the apostles did. 
This is what they did. And, and, uh, and he said to them, and so what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Then Paul said, Paul, the apostle Paul brought clarity to where they were in their walk with God and where they were in revelation, where they were in understanding, where they were in knowledge. This is what the apostle Paul said. John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six, and when Paul had laid hands on them. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Praise the Lord. Paul figured out where they were and says, man, I'm gonna lay hands on you and I'm gonna pray. And the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues and prophesy. So they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. There are, and, and in the scripture, I'm gonna teach this. I know I taught this in the summer for, for some of you, but I, I really want us as a community to understand this, to really look at the scripture. And I want to open up the word of God to you so you can walk in the power of God, so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, prophesying, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, um, walking in boldness, you know. When the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says that it gave, it gave them boldness, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that brings boldness, not my personality, not because, you know, somebody's like a type A or like a, you know, that kind of dominant type of personality. No, it's the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, all right, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Does the, according to the scripture, does the baptism of the Holy Spirit have any indication that you will not go to heaven if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit as far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, it doesn't say that. But it does, it does say that it brings power. It does say that tongues and prophecy begin to flow from you. As a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it does say that Jesus was like, don't go or do anything until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need him. We need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And speaking of tongues, okay, that there, there are two types of tongues in scripture. There's a message to be interpreted and there's prayer for edification. There's two types of tongues. There's a message that's interpreted. I've witnessed that and been around that where somebody speaks in a tongue and somebody interprets. It's not a translation. So it's not that, because interpret, it's interpreted. It's not a translation, okay? It's not like word for word. It's a spiritual thing. Tongues just isn't other languages, as we'll read in the scripture, okay? But it is... The Holy Spirit, when he fills us, according to the scripture, spiritual gifts begin to unlock and activate through us. That is what we see in Acts, is it unlocks things in the spirit. It activates, he, 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 uh, uh, he just, the river starts to flow, okay? Um, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, different types of tongues. 
different types of tongues. Tongues for interpretation. Tongues, yes, that in the scripture, in the day of Pentecost, when they spoke in tongues in that moment, other people heard their language. But there are other times in scripture, that's why it says varieties, varieties of tongues, okay? Varieties of tongues, varieties of tongues, hallelujah. Here we go, here's the next one, 1 Corinthians 14, all right? 14, one to five, what does the Holy Spirit do? Is he releases spiritual gifts. That's my next point, okay? He releases spiritual gifts. Why? Because they are the gifts of the Spirit. They are, they are the gifts of the Spirit. He releases spiritual gifts. All right? Hallelujah. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, 1 to 5. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. There we go, right there. There we go, right there. That's a different kind of tongue we're talking about here. We're not talking about interpretation. And we aren't talking about another language. Why? It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not even speak to man, but to God. For no one, no one understands him. On the day of Pentecost, they understood. On um, In this context, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, diversities of tongues, varieties of tongues, one version says diversity, one says variety, same thing. But here we go in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, this is the tongue for personal edification. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Hallelujah. He speaks mysteries. It's mysterious. Tongues, yes, tongues is mysterious. According to the scriptures, it's mysterious. It says here, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. What does the Holy Spirit do? When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we pray in tongues. We are speaking mysteries. It's mysterious. It's mysterious. It's mysterious. It's spiritual. It's not weird. It's just spiritual. It's not goofy. It's just not natural. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not some extreme, weird, religious expression. It is the Holy Spirit. And it is mysterious. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So prophecy edifies the church. Tongues edify me. Both are spiritual gifts. Both are the result, according to the book of Acts. They are both the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, baptize me, Lord. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Look at that. That's my prayer for you. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. All right, greater. It doesn't say greater, meaning not better, okay? It's just that when we prophesy, we edify others. The Bible says that the greater the greatest shall serve. So it's more of this reference to we should strive to edify others in the church more than ourselves. Okay, right? Somebody say amen. But the point, it doesn't say don't do it. it. It says that when we pray in tongues, we're speaking mysteries and we are edifying ourselves. It is for personal edification. He filled the room 
and he touched the person, the individual, the Holy Spirit, tongues. Here's my next point. Tongues for personal edification. All right. Tongue, he releases spiritual gifts and there are tongues for personal edification. Hallelujah. I wish, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Paul said, Paul said in another verse, I speak in tongues more than you all. All right? Hallelujah. Okay? Let's look at one more, one more portion of scripture here, okay? Let's look at this. Acts chapter 10. We're going to go back to Acts here, verse 44 to 48. This is, this is powerful. When Peter was still speaking these words, so Peter's preaching and teaching. He's at Cornelius' house. It says the Holy Spirit fell. Look at that. He already fell in Pentecost. And, and it says he also fell um, later on when we read out of Acts 19. So here he's falling again. So just because he fell doesn't mean he won't fall again. Just because you encountered the power of the Holy Spirit once doesn't mean you can't and will not experience him again. Hallelujah. All right. It's not that he's not here, but he fell. He manifested himself in that moment again. He, 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 he has fallen and he'll fall again on us. I love this. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Oh man, that's my prayer. Lord, Holy Spirit, fall on Hopeland Church. Even while we're just preaching and teaching the word, Holy Spirit, fall. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because look at this, folks, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that unites us in Christ. It says it here that there. this is definable. This is momentous. Jews and Gentiles experiencing the presence of God together. Black and white and Mexican and Samoan and Asian encountering the Spirit of God together. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were astonished. The Jews were like, whoa, God is moving on them too. The, the Old Testament promised it. Jesus testified of it in his earthly ministry and the Holy Spirit completed it. So we need the Holy Spirit. I love this. God calls Peter to go to Cornelius' house and the power of God moves in a multi-ethnic environment. It is spiritual. It is mysterious. They were astonished. The Jews were tripping, okay? In a sense, they were like, whoa. They didn't, they, the, even though the scripture was there, it was the power of God moving that opened their eyes to what was what God's heart was for this and how this brought such this this unity the 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 
the, the, the wall, the partition between those two people groups was destroyed because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did that, all right? The Holy Spirit moved and they began to speak with other tongues and magnify God. I'm, my prayer is that, is that you are filled and filled again. And many times you'll see in the book of Acts where people, specific people are in a certain environment, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they end up in another environment and he falls again. It's the same people. So it's not like, you know, one, I understand the moment you are filled and the evidence of tongues and the gifts, but it doesn't mean that God won't fall again on you. The Holy Spirit won't fall again. Yes, he will. It, it, you know, he, we, we don't have like the formula of, you know what I'm saying? Like we can't manipulate God, right? But he's going to move and we can expect that he will. We can put our faith and trust that he is going to move again, that he's going to, his power is going to move. He's going to fill people. People are going to begin to be activated and releasing spiritual gifts. People are going to prophesy and speak in tongues that, that think about this. When he fell here, the ones that were following Christ were with Peter. They, they were astonished. I'm here to say, we don't have God figured out. I'm looking forward to moments where I am astonished once again when the Holy Spirit falls, when the Holy Spirit fills, when the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit comes with fire and, and His presence and His power uh, for me and others. We need to expect God to move supernaturally. We need to expect for signs and wonders and miracles and healing and breakthrough and deliverance and and the things that God does through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is who unites us. He desires to break through socioeconomic, ethnic, and religious walls. That is what the Holy Spirit does. I believe the sign of a Holy Spirit-filled people in community and church is that there is diversity among it. That's what happened in the early church. It's what happened on the day of Pentecost, that there were multiple nations present, multiple languages represented, and then when he falls again in the various, uh, in Acts 10, it's, it's, it's diverse. And it's, it, why? It's spiritual. He has fallen on all flesh. He desires to fill the hearts of people. And with him, there is no partiality. All flesh. All right, somebody say all flesh. We need the Holy Spirit to be a legitimate spiritual community and a legitimate kingdom community, a legitimate uh, community that is based on touching hearts and lives and saving souls. And when that is our focus, God's going to move on all people, diverse people, different people. Diversity ought to be in our ranks. Why? Because the Spirit of God moves like that. He moves like that. And He falls on all people. Hallelujah. Let's open our hearts and our spirit to everything God has for His church. I'm believing that those who are hearing these words right now are going to be filled, even if it's once again by the Holy Spirit. So let me pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord for the presence of the Spirit of God. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending him 2,000 years ago. But we thank you, Lord, that he will fall again and again and again. When we worship, when we gather, when we humble ourselves, when we serve, when we do your will, your spirit is there. So I pray that you just fall on us again. Lord, we are believing, we are expecting, and we are putting our faith in you that you are going to move again and again and again in our lives. Lord, we have not arrived. We don't have you figured out. And we thank you, Lord. We are expecting for you to astonish us once again. Holy Spirit, fill us, God, once again with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to pray for those that don't know Christ, that have yet to confess him as Lord. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Join with me now and pray and simply say, Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I turn from my sin. I confess my sin. I confess you to be Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I put my faith in you and I receive your grace. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I am excited for you. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time or you're coming back to the Lord, I hope that this is a seed in your spirit and your life to continue your walk with him. So if you want to just get um, a Bible study from us, we'll send it to you. It's just a way to help you grow. So to get that, we'll text it to you. It's just a link to a Bible study online. And if you want that, simply text the word GROW to 323-405-3232. Text the word GROW to 323-405-3232. God bless you. I love you, church, and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.